welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Wednesday the 15th of February 2012, entitled Something Everyone Can Be. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, good evening. Good to see everybody here tonight. I thank God for the uh, wonderful words. Sometimes I have to sit back and say, is he really talking about me? Uh, I don't deserve that. Um, uh, I am just, uh, I am a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. And so I, I feel that way, and uh, I'm so thankful for all that are visiting tonight. Praise the Lord for you being here. And uh, some very, very uh, choice people here tonight visiting with us. Thank God for y'all being here. And uh, thank God for the members. I always said visitors are welcome. Members are expected. Amen. <laughs> so I thank God for the people that are here tonight. And so I want you to open your Bible up to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and look at verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 1. I want to say what an honor and blessing it is to have my family with me uh, this uh, two weeks, this fortnight. And uh, thank God for Eric being with us too. I think they've had a good time here while they've been in merry old England, and uh, they've found out how warm it is here. Amen. I'm glad the people's hearts are warm. Uh, I don't. It's colder than a mother-in-law's kiss here. I mean that thing. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Please forgive me, Lord. I apologize. Um, no, I, I, it is cold here. I have never been here. Uh, but what I feel my feet about five days after I land, um, they are frozen until. Uh, I'm here about five, six days, so I thank God uh, for uh, heaters. Thank God that uh, the Lord uh, found, saw it fit to, to fix Larry's uh, furnace in his house. Praise the, <laughs> praise the Lord. God's good, ain't he? Praise the Lord. I'm glad that he got that thing fixed. But uh, my wife has uh, actually uh, let me have some of the covers on this trip. Uh, she hadn't stolen all the covers at night, and so I thank God for that. But uh, enough talking, let's get right to the business at hand and look at the message tonight. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and look at verse number 1. It says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Say that word with me again. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Look at verse 3. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Thank God for that. Amen? Matter of fact, the Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we'd have no need to be judged. If we just go ahead and do it, you know, you hear all these spiritual people get up and say, Judge not, lest ye be judged. That's their favorite verse in the Bible, you know, like that's going to savvy their conscience or something. Uh, you go ahead and just judge yourself and you wouldn't have no need to be judged, all right? And by the way, the same judgment that you judge with is what you're going to be judged by. So be very careful how you point your finger and look down your spiritual spectacles at everybody else. You're welcome. Look at verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who, listen to this, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. In other words, he's going to illuminate everything. 
And I preached, and we're going to go almost full circle, Peter, to what we talked about Sunday, and that was the judgment seat of Christ. So we go full circle, and it says that He will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and also will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Now I want you to look back up at verse number 2. That's my text, and that's where we'll be looking tonight. Uh, for for uh, illumination and for enlightenment, enlightenment from God's Word. Look at what it says. It says, Moreover, it is required... Uh, that's a very intriguing word. We'll look at that word tonight. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I want to bring a message to you tonight entitled, Something Everyone Can Be. Something Everyone Can Be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that, God, you'd make me a little bit like liquid and pour me out, my, out among your people. God, I'm nothing, but thank God I serve you. That is everything. And, Lord, I pray that you would just open our eyes and help us to get this truth that everybody in this room can be what we're going to talk about tonight. There's many things that we can't be, but, Lord, there is something that every one of us can be, and that is faithful. And so, Lord, please speak to us through your word, and we'll love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... I want you to look at verse number 2 again. It says, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, when I was a young kid, they used to ask me what I wanted to be. When I was about six years of age, I said, I want to be a fireman. Found out that was not my calling because I about burnt the house down one day. I should have been an arsonist, not a fireman. Amen. I, I said, I want to be in the NFL. Ross, I said, I'm going to be in the NFL when I grow up. i got to be about eight years of age. I want to be an NFL football player. I want to be in the National Football League. Not real football like y'all people play. I'm talking about American football. I know y'all would appreciate that. Trying to make friends and influence people, all right? Just bear with me. But I said, I'm going to be an NFL football player. But I found out when I got to be about the age of 16 and my total sum weight was about 147 pounds, I said, I don't think the NFL is going to come looking for me, Pastor. I said, I know what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a doctor. But I found out when I got to the 11th grade and all I did was make about 1A and 47 Cs, I found out I don't think that doctor thing will work out. But you know what? You ask a lot of kids today what they want to be and they'll say, I want to be a nuclear physicist. I want to be a computer programmer. I want to be an engineer. I want to be a... I pray to God. I hope some say they want to be a missionary. But you know what? By and large, you don't hear a lot of people say, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. If you read the epistles and you look at what Paul wrote, Paul was a man, Peter, who was not concerned with the approval of man, but he was totally consumed with the appraisal of Almighty God. Can I say this, folks? Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe, shall be lifted up. You know what? If you fear what people think, of you, you will be literally uh, encapsulated or entwined with a noose around your hands. You will be absolutely, if I can say this right, handcuffed and not be able to do a thing for God when all you do is fear what somebody thinks of you. Matthew Henry made this statement. He said, if we do what we do for the approval of God, we need not fear the, the reproach or the censure of what man thinks. And I like what he said. Folks, you know what? We ought to be consumed with the appraisal of God instead of being concerned about the approval of man. Amen? But if you look at the writings of Paul, Paul was saying this, in society, the byword is success. But in the Scriptures, listen, in the Scriptures, the blessed word is faithfulness. 
I want you to look down at our text in, in, in 1 Corinthians 4 and look at verse number 2 again. It says, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, number one, I want you to say, i got two points and we'll go to the house. All right? And I know some of y'all are going, oh man, I know how long your points last, all right? But I'll be very quick tonight. I'll preach fast if you listen fast, all right? So number one, God, listen to this now, if we're going to be found faithful and we can be something that everybody in this room can be, if you want to be something, you can be this tonight, and that is faithful. Number one, God requires faithfulness. Write that down. God requires faithfulness. The word requires an intriguing word, Panos. You know what it means? It means to demand. It means to be essential. It means non-negotiable. Can I say this, folks? Faithfulness is not an option. It is an obligation. Amen? Let me say it again. Faithfulness is not an option. It is an obligation. God said this in His Word, Micah chapter number 6, verse 8. He said, He's shown thee, O man, what is good. And what did the Lord require of thee but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God? It is an obli listen, obligation that is required of you to walk humbly with thy God. Heard a story one time about a kid. You'll enjoy this, uh, uh, Shelley. There was a kid that was in class, and they give out awards every year. At the end of the year, he got his award. Guess what it was? It was the Humble Award. They gave him a little badge, a little Humble Award. Guess what? He got that badge. He was so proud of it. He wore it the next day. They took it from him. <laughs> You'll know why? Because you don't wear a Humble badge. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm so humble. No, you're not. You just lost it right there. You, listen, if you're humble, you don't have to tell nobody. They'll know it. So, folks, it is required that a man walk humbly with his God. Hey, listen, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 20. He said of the rich ruler who had all those accumulation of wealth, the guy said, you know what, I've got so much, I've got to tear down my barn, build a bigger one to put stuff in. I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus said, thy fool, thy soul shall be required of thee this night. Same word, it is non-negotiable. Jesus even said this in the same chapter, Luke chapter number 10, verse 48. He said, you know what? To whom much is given, much also shall be. Let me tell you something, mom and dad. Let me tell you something, school teacher. Let me tell you something, university student. To whom much is given, much also shall be required. There is a word in the Marine Corps that we are synonymous with our uh, unit. It is called semper fidelis. It means always faithful. And ladies and gentlemen, it is not an option. It's an obligation for us to be... Listen, because when you're in a foxhole and you've got rounds incoming, you've got to be faithful to the task at hand. I don't care. Listen, when the fur starts flying and the bullets start going off and the bombs are exploding around you, you know what? You don't need to tuck tail and run. You've got to be faithful to the task that God has put in your life. Things are going to get hard. Times are going to get tough. But you know what? I'm thankful Jesus didn't quit and we ought not do it either. So folks, listen to me. It says that it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Look back up at verse number 1. I want to show you something. It says, Ross, let a man account of us as of the ministers of God. The word ministers is a Greek word that literally gets its meaning from the word servant or a, if I can say it this way, a lower rower. An underbelly rower in a ship if you will, a minister of God. Now let me go ahead and say this. This is the same word that we get our English word deacon from. Now let me go ahead and say this because I'm not trying to pick on the deacons tonight because you got some great deacons here. <laughs> that was weak. We're going to do that again, Bethel. Y'all got some great deacons here. Thank you very much. You really do. 
Because I know their heart, they're servants. That doesn't mean they're perfect, but thank God they're forgiven. Amen? Amen. But let me say something. I have been in churches, Panos, where a deacon board thought they were the one that ran all the th- of the activities in the church. They thought they were to set the budget, they were to hire and fire Christian school teachers, and that was their duty as a deacon. May I say this? The first qualifications of deacons in the Bible were these. He said, pick you out seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, and set them over this matter of serving tables, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. May I say this? A deacon or even, for that matter, a minister of Almighty God is nobody other than somebody that brings people to Christ and serves others. It ain't about you, ma'am. It ain't about you, sir. It's all about Him. He says, listen, you ought to. Look at what it says. It says, let a man so account of us. In other words, take note of our life as of the ministers of Christ. Hey, listen, can I ask you something? Do you always kick underneath all the things that God does in your life? Now, on the surface, you're sitting... Listen, it's like the kid I was telling the other night that got uh, disciplined. And the mother said, you're going to sit here in this chair and time out. Well, she sat down. And do you know what? She looked at her mom and said, you know what, mama? I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. It's just got to be your way. And if it don't go the way you want it, you're going to suck your thumb and take your ball and go to the house. Let me say something, folks. If you're going to be a minister of God, if you're going to be a lower rower, it ain't about you. When Listen, when the helmsman was clapping and every time he clapped, you dug the oar into that water, you didn't sit down there and go, I want a hammock, I want my sandwich, I want you to give me a 15-minute break. No, you just did what the helmsman said. Because you know what your job as a servant is to do? To make the master successful, not you. We got far too many Christians that's me first. It's a me first attitude in Christianity. It's got to be about me first. I can tell you this and Eric will tell you too. As a platoon sergeant or anybody in your chain of command, if you're above troops, you always let the troops eat before you get your chow. Huh? Sometimes my family wonders why when we have dinner at church every Sunday, that's what we do. We fellowship just like you do. We spell fellowship though, (laughs) F-O-O-D. Okay? Y'all look like y'all do too anyway. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Some of y'all didn't appreciate that, but that's all right. But listen, when we fellowship, you know what I do as a pastor? I let everybody else eat before I do. Now, I'm not some big shot. I'm just trying to put an example before my people that you know what? I Listen, the servant's not greater than his master. Jesus said they hated me, they'll hate you. And you know what? I'm not going to be some big shot. By the way, there are no inferiors nor superiors in the work of God, only equals. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. But God requires, it is non-negotiable, Steve, that we, listen, not an option, but an obligation, that we be faithful. There's a lot of things people want to be in life. I'm sure that you go to university not just so you can twiddle your thumbs and get a piece of paper and go, I can take a vacation from life now. No, you do that so you can have an occupation. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It's noble to go to university, put yourself through school, and get a job. Hey, that's a good thing. That's a good, listen, there's a good four-letter word in the Bible that's called W-O-R-K, work. That's a good four-letter word. And folks, you know what? But here's the thing. Why are you doing it? Are you faithful at the task at hand? Because, ladies and gentlemen, God requires faithfulness. I'm not trying to put you on no guilt trip, but you know whether you're faithful or not. I did not say faithful just to church attendance. 
Are you faithful in your relationship to Almighty God? I want you to look at what it says here. Look at verse number 1 again. Let, us, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and what? Stewards. That is different than servants. A steward is an overseer, somebody that takes care of somebody else's property. Do you know what? God's made you a steward over four areas of your life. Time, talent, treasure, and testimony. Hello? Time, talent, treasure, and testimony. So guess what? You're not your property. You're God's property. That means everything you own. By the way, you don't, any, you don't own anything. God owns it all. That means you own nothing. So you guess what? It's all His, so let Him have His way with you. You're welcome. It's quiet in here. I heard crickets right then. Did you, did you hear crickets? I heard crickets right then. It is required in stewards. It says, moreover, that you be a steward of the what? Mysteries of God. That word mysteries, what is a mystery? The word mystery there means a sacred secret given to a saint. Write it down. A sacred secret given to a saint. And it can only be revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Ephesians chapter number 5. Very quickly now. i got 15 minutes. I'm going to give you both barrels and then we're going home. Ephesians chapter number 5, and look at verse number 22. Now, I'm going to hit some real, real tough areas now. All right, so just hold on. Ephesians 5, look at verse number 22. It says, why, listen to this now. Oh, my, here we go. I've already heard some snickering. It says, wives, submit yourself therefore unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the, of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, uh, by the way, ain't going to leave you out. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now look up at me. I say it this way. A wife ought to love her husband enough to live for him. But a husband ought to love his wife enough to die for her. Let me say it again. And by the way, men, before you get this caveman syndrome where you're going to drag your wife around by the hair and say, Ungal, I'm a man, ugh, 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 and just, that's, that's the only way you're going to live, she's going to do what I say. It doesn't matter what it is. She's going to do it. No, that ain't going to happen. I can promise you this, that, that bat you got in your hand, you're probably going to get when you go to sleep. Because you've got to go to sleep sooner or later. By the way, wives love your husband. Husbands, love your wives. Because verse 21, I know it's talking about the ecclesia, the church, the called out assembly, and the whole group and the body of Christ, but it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Can I go ahead and just kind of broaden that out and say this? You know what, folks? This thing of marriage is not 50-50. Y'all looking at me like I'm talking Russian to you. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100%, 100%. Marriage is 100% giving and 100% forgiving. You know what? I don't particularly like that my wife pushes a toothpaste from the bottom and gets it all the way. I just, it takes too much time. to. I just like to squeeze it right in the middle. <laughs> You're right on the toothbrush. She don't like that. I don't like the way she... You know what? She steals all the covers at night. I particularly don't like that. But you know what? I forgive her. Yeah, I forgive you. I do. God bless you. I love you. Now listen... Marriage is not about compromise, it's about compassion. Can I say that again? Marriage is not about compromise, marriage is about compassion. May I say this, ladies? Submission is not an ugly word. 
man, whew, it really got cold right then. Submission is not an ugly word. It's a Bible word. You know what the word submit means? Basically, if I can give you a hillbilly definition of what submission is, submission, ladies, is you ducking so God can get to your husband. <laughs> it says submit yourself unto your husband because just as the head of the church is Christ so is the head of the home your husband and guess what ladies he has to stand and give an account of everything that's done in your home when he stands before Christ but husbands you ought to love your wife you ought to love your wife you know what love is God-like love it's loving even when it ain't easy or fun I had a friend in America. His name was Bob Kelly. Bob Kelly had Crutchfield-Jacobs disease. It's a disease that affects the brain stem. And you know what? It's inoperable. And he died from it. But do you know what, Tenica? For 20 years of his life, before he got sick, his wife had multiple sclerosis and he took care of his wife every morning. He got her up out of bed, Peter, and he put her in a wheelchair, and he combed her beautiful hair. He even brushed her teeth. He washed her feet. And I'm telling you, folks, you want to talk about true love, unconditional God-like love is doing, when, doing it when it ain't easy. Well, I just fell in love with this guy. No, no, you didn't fall in love. If you fell in love, you'd fall out of love. Love is an action word, and you have to has to have to act of the will to love somebody. God wills to love us. You know what? God loves us warts and all. Amen? Amen? And it says right here, you say, Preacher, where are you going? This ain't even where I'm going, okay? I'm just trying to get to where I'm going. So just bear with me, all right? Look at this. Look at verse number 25 again. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. And in verse 20, listen, 27, it says, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. Look at verse 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. I love these people say, I hate myself. No, you don't. You don't hate yourself. If you did, you wouldn't have 32 mirrors in your house. We walk by, oh man. Hmm. And we go about five more feet. Oh, hmm. okay. no, you don't hate your own flesh. You want to know why? Because what the scripture says, look at verse 29 again. But nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Now look at this. Look at verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they shall be called, they shall be one flesh. Verse 32. This is a great what? Mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now look up at me. My first point when it's required that you be faithful, number one, it is required that you be faithful in the gathering of the saints. This is a great mystery. Now, folks, I didn't make this up, and I didn't put together the church age. God did. And He put the local church on the, on the earth for a reason, for edifying and building up of the saints. You know what? It ought to be a blessing when you come to church. You ought not leave and go, man, I wish I wouldn't have gone today. If it is, you need to find another one. Because probably, truth of the matter is, there's probably so many schisms and isms in the work of Christ at that work. You know what? You need to go somewhere where you can have some unity. And by the way, it ain't going to be easy. Unity takes work. Iron sharpeneth iron. And listen, when iron gets close to iron, it causes friction. Hello. <laughs> gets kind of hot. You know? 
Happens that way in the house sometimes, don't it, guys? Girls, huh? Ladies, men, huh? Gets a little hot in the house sometimes because you got iron trying to sharpen iron and friction happens. You know what? We, we travel in a travel trailer sometimes. And you know what? We go from church to church and meeting to meeting. And you know what? In a travel trailer, the walls are very thin and the, you know, there's not a lot of insulation and you can't even have a good fight in, in an RV because everybody can hear you. I got to tell this, I, one time me and my wife, and this is how we joke with one another, and this is, I'm going to tell you what, this is love because you know what, you got to learn, you got to learn to make each other laugh, amen? I want you to say three statements with me. Number one, say, I'm sorry. Number two, say, please forgive me. Number three, say, I'm wrong. Some of y'all just fell over with a heart attack because you ain't never heard that from your spouse. You know what, if you want to be liberated, you learn to say those three statements in your life, and I promise you this, you'll have some of the most liberating times that you've ever experienced. I'm sorry, please forgive me, I was wrong. One time, my wife and I had an opportunity. Ross, that means a fight, all right? <laughs> and uh, it's usually her fault, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and we were fighting, and, and, and we were having a little opportunity, a little, little difficulty, and... Uh, Got up the next morning, and by the way, we made up, but I, I, I wanted to get I wanted to get that last one in before I left to go to work. So uh, I went to the refrigerator, and we had this dry erase board, and uh, I actually did this twice, once on the mirror with lipstick. The other time I did it with a dry erase board, but I wrote on there, I said, Dear Veronica, I hate you, love Brian. <laughs> and she probably thought it was about as funny as you just did, because I got it that, that night. Not a frying pan, but I got a few words, all right? But what I'm saying, folks, is you know what? The great mystery of the church is that it's just what it is. It's a body. And there's many members, and with many members come many problems sometimes. But God says the body is given, and every member is given to the body for usefulness. You know what? Your gift and your ability is not, does not supersede somebody else's. Every gift and every member is essential to the body of Christ. If you don't think you matter, guess what? You leave this work and find out how quick you really did matter. You are important. You are special to God. You are a vital part of the body of Christ. Your gift is, listen, something that nobody else can do. I can't do what Brother Neil can do. I can't do what Sister Shelley can do. I can't do what Sister Tenica can do. But I can do what Brian can do. And I don't know what that is yet, so y'all pray for me. But listen, folks, God said one of the greatest mysteries is is the reason the church was given, and that is so we can just draw strength from one another. The gathering of the saints. David said in Psalm 122, verse 1, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hebrews 10, 25, you know it, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, uh, comforting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you something, folks. We're going to see it from Friday night to Sunday night how close we are to the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And we need to be encouraging one another instead of criticizing and murmuring and gossiping and backbiting. Don't slink down in your seat. You'll give yourself away. I'm sorry. if it's Listen, if the phone's ringing, pick it up. If you're guilty of that, you need to make it right. But you know what? It's time for us to have some unity in the church. I didn't say uniformity. I didn't say unanimity. I said unity. And the only way you get that is through the power of the Spirit of God. The gathering of the saints. 
Folks, in 1995, I was in a little town called Bella Vista, New, uh, Mexico, right outside of Guadalajara. Folks, we went in a van just like, much like what you drive now here in Birmingham, and we were on that van, and we went on a road that I said that is absolutely impassable. There's no way that we're going to get this van down that road. He said, you watch. I said, boy, I'm glad for prayer. Man, we started down this road. There were ruts in that road that were this deep. Folks, we started going down this road, and about a half a mile into that trip, there were kids, I'm talking 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids, falling out of the woods, coming and following behind the bus. We had a bus full of teenagers. We took our youth group there. Chris, we had nowhere, and I was like, are these gang kids, or are they wanting to ride? And he said, you know what? They're kids from around the other surrounding villages. And I said, well, what are they coming for? He said, well, you just wait and you get there. We went to a little place called Los Pozos. It is absolutely a poke and plum town. You know what I mean? It's so small, you poke your head in, you plumb out of town. It's that little. I mean, you go, it's like Los Pozos. You're gone. Los Pozos, where'd it go? And we, we drove into this little town. When we got there, Neil, there were over 60 kids following that van. We got out, we went into the church, Emmanuel Baptist Church. Got in there, there were people, there were so many, Janie, people sitting around on the floor that they did not have enough chairs. They opened the windows and those kids lined the walls outside, Pastor, to hear an American preacher through an interrupter, I mean an interpreter. Well, if y'all have ever preached through an interpreter, you got to... And then he says something. And you know what? People start laughing. I go, did you say the same thing I said? Because they laughing and that wasn't very funny. You know, I'm like, no, he, I, that doesn't do that. But anyway, I got to get y'all's attention somehow. Some of you look like you about to go to sleep, all right? But I started preaching it. I said, preacher, I said, where did all these kids from and come from and why did they come? And they said they'd been hearing for four months that American people were coming and they just wanted to see. Folks, that's just Mexico. That ain't talking about the depths of Kenya where people... Listen, when, when Shelly arrived there this past uh, spring, they were like, wow, a white person. It was amazing to them. When you go to India, they're going to flock around you. You want to know why? Because they're seeking for something to fill that, 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 that hole in their heart. Folks, let me ask you this. Those people came and walked two miles on a dirt road with ruts in it that could made Tyler or Shelly disappear if they fell into it. <laughs> but yet, Panos, they walked that whole way to stand outside and listen to the gospel being preached. You know what the Bible says? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. What does it take for you to not come to be with God's people? Now, I do not mean to try to offend anybody, but I'm asking you this. The Scripture says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The mystery of the gathering. But then you look over, and I ain't got time to go there, but then you look over in Philippians chapter 4, and Paul says, I have learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. You know what? That's a mystery to the world. Steve, I wish I could, I wish I could give you some human explanation why God would instill joy and peace and give me a vibrancy to preach the gospel after I know my son's gone because everything I hold, everything I smell, everything I touch makes me think of my son. Why would I do that? I'm not trying to puff myself up and I'm telling you this. It's a mystery to the world, but I know this. 
I know that He said He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Him because He trusteth in Him. And I trust God because my son trusted God. I'm going to see my son again in glory because he trusted Christ and not his church membership, not his good works, not his music ability. He trusted the blood of Christ to cleanse him from his sin. By the way, if you're going to get there, that's the only way you'll get there either. It's through the blood of Christ. The mystery of the gospel. What did Paul say? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, we've just read it, our text for our young adults conference. He said, I'm, listen, I am the one and I've asked God to give me utterance that boldness may come through my body that I may preach the mystery of the gospel. Folks, what's gospel mean? Good news. You said it, Chris. Good news. I wonder what it's going to take for us to be faithful. And it is required, by the way, folks. It's required if you're going to spread the gospel. Listen, it's required that you be faithful in the gathering of the saints, but it's also faithful. You ought to be faithful in the giving of the gospel. I've got a friend in Winston-Salem as a young guy back about 15 years ago. He never went to Bible college. He never, listen, he never, ever, ever preached a sermon but I'm telling you, this guy had a heart for people, Peter, that was as big as the Atlantic Ocean. I'm telling you, he loved people. It didn't matter where they were at, what kind of condition, who they were, what they smelled like, what they dressed like. He just loved people. And you know what? I got a strange suspicion that's the way our Lord was. All the sinners and publicans were eating with him in the religious crowd. All of Pharisees looked and went, oh, He is eating with sinners. And he probably went, well, if that's a sin, I'm guilty. I won't be guilty of the same thing Jesus is guilty of. Amen. I want to I love people. His name was Terry. Terry used to go into a local convenience store every day, like, not, not every day, but every week like clockwork. He would fill his car up with petrol. He would go in to pay for it. And there was this rough lady behind the counter. She was, I'm telling you, mean as a snake. She was, I'm telling you, rough. And this woman would look at him and go, Hello, how are you doing? I mean, she talked like that. She like Ursula or something, you know? She hello, how you doing? And he'd go, man, I'm wonderful. It's good to see you today. Hope you're having a great day. She'd go, man, he'd go in there every week. I guess this went on two, three months. After about two, three months, he went in and she went, hello, oh, it's you again, <laughs> you know? And she went, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. She said, do you ever have a bad day? He said, well, of course I do. He said, the day wasn't very good. He said, but God is. And she said, why are, you, why are you like you are? She, he said, well, I don't have time to talk to you, but would you take this little pamphlet and would you read this? And this will tell you why. Story goes that he came back to her, I guess the next week, Malcolm, and he talked to her in the back room. He gave her the gospel, that little gospel tract, that little pamphlet told her that Jesus loved her and died for her personally and all she had to do is accept him personally and she could go to heaven because that's what Jesus said. I didn't say that. Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Not religion, not, listen, baptism, not the Lord's Supper or communion or whatever you want to call it, but by the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what, folks? That lady got saved by the grace of God. She got a burden. That rough lady, and by the way, when she got saved, she even stopped talking the way she used to talk. 
She went from Norway like this, and she was like, hey, how you doing? Good to see God can transform a person. I mean from the voice, from the guttermost to uttermost, from your toes to the top of your head. But that lady got a burden for her husband. He was rougher than she was. I know where she got it from now. Guess what? She brought her husband, Peter, to church. He got saved. Fellowship Bible Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Guess what? A year later, those two people surrendered ministry, and today they're in Peru as missionaries. All because a young man said, you know what? I'm going to give those people the good news. I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't know everything about Jesus Christ, but I know what He did for me, and I'm going to tell them what He did for them. Son, I'm going to tell you what, that right there is good, isn't it? That is good stuff. Because you know what, folks? It's required that you be faithful. Now, let me go ahead and just make something clear before we move to the next point and we go home. It does not mean that you have to take Jesus on the end of your index finger and shove it down somebody's throat or give them 15 verses of Scripture while you're standing there in a supermarket for them to come to Christ. You know what? A lot of people in this city will not listen to what you've got to say until you become their friend. You can say amen right there. That's not unbiblical. I know people say, well, you know what? Lifestyle evangelism is not of God. I beg to differ. People don't care how much you know do they know how much you care. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You don't go to China and start belting out gospel messages. You've got to win people's friendship before you can ever talk to them about the Lord Jesus. And by the way, it'll still work for you if you'll let it. You just be sweet in your disposition. You'll win more people. Listen, listen, people want to see a sermon more than they want to hear one. You're welcome. Now listen to me. It is required. God requires what? Faithfulness. Say it again. Faithfulness. Say it again. Faithfulness. But let me say this. God not only requires faithfulness, but thank God, God rewards faithfulness. God not only requires faithfulness, but Robert, God rewards faithfulness. Look down at verse number 4 and I'm going to be done. Turn back to, uh, turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and look at verse number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, look at verse number 4 and I'll be done. It says, For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man be, have praise of God. Number two, folks. Number one, God requires faithfulness. But number two, God rewards faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness. One of these days, we're going to stand before the thrice holy God of Israel, Jesus Christ, as believers, and give an account of what we've done in our body, whether it be good or bad. That's after salvation. You're going to be judged because of your service, what you've done, and why you've done it. Not how much, but why. Amen? You can sit in your house for the next 15 years, sir, and not win a person to Christ. And you know what? You're going to stand and give an account of what you've done. That doesn't mean you're going to lose reward. You've just got to do what God leads you to do. Stop trying to be the Holy Spirit in everybody else's life. Hello? Don't try to be the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life. It is not my job to get up here and tell you what you ought not do and what you ought to do. The Bible says that. Here's the truth, what you're going to do with it. I'm just a, listen, I'm just a mouthpiece of Scripture. I'm just telling you, this is what God said. Now you've got to do something with it. But folks, it re, listen, it requires faithfulness to be a child of God, but it's going to be a reward for faithfulness for the child of God. You know, I've thought many times, Miss Janie, 
especially coming over here for the last 11 years, 10 years of conferences, is what I do, and I've really thought about this, Peter, is what I do when I stand before Christ, everything that I've done, I wonder if it's going to be fireproof. You say, preacher, what do you mean? When we stand before Jesus, our works... Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, whatever it is, worthy, worthless, is going to be put to the test by fire. And that fire is going to purify the things that are precious, but the things that are not are going to be burned up. I'm just wondering. And you know what, folks? I've preached a lot of places a lot of times, but I've wondered, is every time that I've stood up, is it going to bear witness in heaven that it's gold, silver, precious stone, or is it going to be wood, hay, or stubble? Has it been worthy or worthless? Because what I do for Christ is going to be put to the test. And I hope and pray, Tim, I hope and pray that when I get there, I will hear my Lord. I, listen, I want to hear my son's voice. I do. I want to hear my daddy talk to me again, Panos. I'd like to hear my grandma pray again. Oh, what a prayer warrior. But Tenica, I can't wait to hear the voice, and I hope I hear him say this. Well done. I'm delighted in what you've done for me. I'm delighted in what you've done for me. Listen, God requires faithfulness, but number two, God rewards faithfulness. I've thought many times when they give out those Grammys and those Oscars and all those awards and people come up and they give that long, eloquent speech and they shed a few tears. You know, when we get to heaven and we receive our crowns, we're not going to give a speech. I don't think we'll be able to say a word. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to stand before the one that you've sang songs about, who you've not seen with your eyes, but you've felt with your heart, and you can't wait to see him? I say, Steve, in that day, it's going to be worth it all. Amen? It will be worth it all. I want to conclude with this. Paul was in prison. His swan song to Timothy was these words, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I'm now ready to be offered. I don't care if they take my head because if they take my head, I'm still going to get a crown. He said, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but to unto all them also that love is appearing. And I suggest to you that you know what? God rewards faithfulness. What's it take for you to quit? I've said this before, the test of a man or woman's character is what it takes to make them quit. The test of your character is what it's going to take to make you quit. You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. At West Point Academy, there is a place at West Point called the Hall of Shields. On this hall, Eric, are names of patriots in America. Robert E. Lee. Ulysses S. Grant, George Washington, General Patton. But as their tour guides take people through the Hall of Shields, call there's one shield that has no name written on it. Somebody asked the tour guide one day, what is that shield for? Who is it for? And the tour guide said it's for a man by the name of Benedict Arnold. If you don't know anything about American history, he was a traitor. He conspired against his own government. And he said these words, You cannot be honored on the Hall of Shields 
if you're a traitor and you're not faithful. Now, let me say this, folks. It will be worth it all. Can I ask you a question tonight? I, I, I just went today through, and, and I'm going to be done, I promise. I went today through a little biography of a man by the name of Wilbur Reese. Wilbur Reese was a pastor in, in, in America who back in the, the 1940s, 1950s, pastored a church. He grew up having tuberculosis of the spine. His spine was curved in such a way that he wrote a book later on in life, Peter, called uh, Growing Up Crooked, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. But I want to read you an excerpt that he wrote in that book. It says, I would like to buy $3 of God, please. Now listen to this. I'd like to buy $3 of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't, I don't want enough of Him to make me love a black man in Kenya or pick beats with a migrant in Ecuador. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I, I want a pound of eternal uh, of the eternal in a paper bag. I, 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 listen, I would like to buy three dollars of God, please. You know what, folks? I'm con I'm really concerned that some people get inoculated with just such a small dose of Christianity that it prevents them from actually getting the real thing. Did you hear me? I think, Pastor, there's a real problem with people. I include myself in this. Who say they love Jesus Christ. Who say that they would, listen, they would well now go on the mission field if He called. But yet a common cold or another activity will keep them from being faithful to what God called them to do. I'm not talking about your church service, ma'am or sir. I'm talking about your relationship and your walk with God. I promise you this, that extra 20 quid that you're going to get for the overtime is really not going to matter and amount to a hill of beans when you stand before Jesus at the, great, at, at the beam of seat of Christ. That extra, that extra time that you spend watching a show that you should have cut it off and gone and spent time with your kids and played with them or done something that you know you should have been in an activity for. You know what? It's not going to matter or amount to a hill of beans when you stand before the thrice holy God of Israel at the Bema Seat of Christ. Off time the day seems long Our trial's hard to bear We're tempted to complain To murmur and despair but Christ will soon appear to catch His bride away. All tears forever banished in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. I wonder about you tonight.
it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around tonight. Miss Shelley's going to move the piano. I want to ask a question tonight. Nobody looking around. You were here tonight and you'd say, you know what, preacher, I know I'm saved on my way to heaven. Not a shadow of a doubt in my mind about that. I'd just like to raise my hand to the God of heaven who saved my soul and just praise His name with an upraised hand and just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. I know I'm on my way to heaven. Could raise my hand, not a shadow without my mind. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Now listen, if you're here tonight and you're not sure that you know heaven is your home, but you sure want to go there, I wonder if there's anybody concerned enough about their spiritual condition would say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I'm not sure if I die tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to go, and I want you to pray for me. Please, would you mention me in prayer? I will not point you out, but I want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that? Would be willing to say, Pray for me, Preacher. Pray for me. I'm not sure. If something happened to me, I'd go to heaven, but I want to. God bless you. Thank you so much for your honesty. I'm going to be praying for you. Anybody else like that? Say, preach with an upraised hand. I'm not sure, but I want to go. And I just want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? All right, one more question. God requires faithfulness. Can I ask you something? I'm not asking you how faithful you are to God's people. I'm asking you how faithful you are to God. What about your Savior? If you are faithful, God said, I'll make you authority over many things. And tonight I want to ask you something. Will you be rewarded for your faithfulness? Oh, absolutely, if you are. You know, there might be some people in this room, and you know what? You need to get some things settled in your heart about faithfulness because you're doing things for the wrong reason. What about your love for Jesus Christ? That ought to be that ought to be the impetus that gets you going is because you serve the God of the universe. I wonder if you'd say preacher pray for me. I want to be more faithful and I just want you to li- I just want you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that? God bless you hands all over. Father in Jesus name, I pray tonight for the ones that raise their hand they're not sure. Lord, please help them to understand how much you love them and that God you can forgive all their sins which would make them have none left if they'll just put their faith in you. God, for the ones that raise their hand about faithfulness, God, I pray that you just speak to our hearts and help us. It's required. It's non-negotiable. It is a demand, a necessity that we be found faithful. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Help us to make those decisions and put those things on the altar that we need to to help us to be more faithful. And we'll love and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.